Episode 24, The Dark Bob. My name is Michael Delgado and I'm your host. I come to you each week from the beautiful library bar in the spectacular Mayfair Hotel right here in downtown L.A. Tonight, I'm meeting the enigmatic Dark Bob. Benefiting from unusually light eastbound traffic on the Santa Monica Freeway, Dark Bob has arrived early. He wears a gray linen-colored shirt over a black t-shirt, expensive jeans, new sneakers. He's thicker these days. The signature pointed sideburns are gray, but his eyes still sparkle with a serious mischief. It's time to meet. You know Geiger's bookstore across the street? I think I may have passed You know Geiger by sight? Geiger's in his early 40s, medium height, fattish, soft all over, Charlie Chan mustache, well-dressed, wears a black hat, affects the knowledge of antiques and hasn't any. Oh, yes, I think his left eye is glass. Hello. 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 My guest tonight is the infamous Dark Bob, one half of the art performance team Bob and Bob that crashed the L.A. art scene in the late 70s. The Bobs are best known for their punk-tinged performances as hapless corporate idiots determined to make fine art. Part vaudevillian slapstick, part absurdist reduction, part ambitious tragedy wrapped in an art history lesson, a Bob and Bob performance was as much fun to be part of as it was groundbreaking visual art. Their performance would lampoon the art establishment while at the same time making a firm claim to its mantle. Accordingly, both LACMA and MOCA have recently added several pieces to their permanent collection, and the Smithsonian has taken a trove of Bob and Bob work into the National Archive. You can find snippets from Bob and Bob performances and see several of Dark Bob's music videos on YouTube. Just Google it. Although the duo occasionally still make art together, Bob and Bob split up as a team sometime in the mid-80s. Since then, Dark Bob has continued to make art, record music, and perform. He's scored films and television, and made albums with members from the band Wilco and X, among others. He's here tonight to talk about his latest record, how Bob and Bob came about, what it meant to be making performance art when no one really knew what that was, what it feels like to have your work put into the Smithsonian, and why Speedos need to be redesigned for older fat men. Please welcome the Dark Bob. Okay, so you're ready to go. We're going to yeah. go. We're rolling now. We're rolling. Okay. We're rolling. That's good. Welcome the Dark Bob. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. You've not been in the hotel before. No, I was shocked. It's beautiful. Yeah, they did a nice job. Not a lot of beautiful things in the world anymore. So Present company accepted, I hope. <laughs> I happen to be looking in a mirror as I said that, but... Well, as I mentioned in my uh, intro, you know, you've got an incredible history. I'm a huge fan. As you know, I have the shrine in the bookstore. Absolutely. And actually, Thank you. The, actually, shrine is probably a bad word because you're still here. You're very much alive. So as the Life Bob tribute would probably be better. That's nice. That's, yeah. Yes. We'll and so bring the Life Bob in on this a little bit. But really, I'm the brains behind the entire operation. So. As I've always thought. Yeah. No. <laughs> so... Um, I was happy since I've been a longtime fan that you have been, uh, you know, that LACMA and the Smithsonian have caught up to my fandom yeah. and put you in 
the permanent collection, LACMA, and now in the archives. Uh, the Smithsonian Archives, right. right. Uh, and this is currently happening with LACMA and MOCA. They're uh, currently deciding what they want, and we're happy to know that this, these works are going to have a good home and be available, and they'll probably pull them out once in a while and show them, and so that's great. Yeah, no, that's exciting. Yeah. So how did you hear about that? Did they just call you and say, hey? Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> really? You know, uh, I think uh, somehow LACMA understood that we, we our archives were put in the Smithsonian. So oh. I think yeah, that it, impressed them enough. That happened uh, about uh, two months ago. They came and uh -huh. hauled off a bunch of our boxes that that we'd been hauling around for 40 years and <laughs> it's great to get rid of them but at the same time there was a you know when they when the guy drove off with all this stuff that we've had for so many years it, there was a some sort of separation anxiety and we're like god how are we ever going to see this stuff right. again well no now you will right as opposed to getting water damage in your basement uh true that's right it, <laughs> i mean it's nice to know it's safe uh, but, you know, and, and I lamented to the fella from the Smithsonian, wow, I'm going to miss ever seeing, well, you can come to the, you can come to Washington anytime and see it. And yeah. I, oh, well, maybe. <laughs> so. Yeah, but at least, you know, that's, a, that's a, quite an honor. That's really great. I think it is. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, mean, I think that, you know, the, the Smithsonian gets, a, I think, a little bit of a bad rap because it gets the, um, for things like this, and the mm -hmm. contemporary art end of things. Because, um, you know, it's sort of, uh, what is it, its tagline is the, uh, the nation's attic. And, you know, as huh. if it was a stored away and right. nobody really cares about it and it's just a right. stuffy old place to go. And, and in fact, it's quite lively the way they digitize everything. And, and um, yeah. so it's kind of a plug for the archive here. If you, um, you know, scholars are very aware of it. But yes. uh, the general public, I think if they knew more and if they did a better outreach, it's a very lively institution that way. Yeah, so in that regard, I think, you know, being uh, ensconced in the Smithsonian is very, kind of very cool. Yeah, we're happy about it. So, and, and they are making an effort. They want to uh, boot up their uh, representation of the West Coast art oh, scene. Right. So oh, good. Uh, I think that's rightly part so. of how they got in rightly touch with so. us. And yeah, that's true. Good. So well, that's good to know. Yeah. We're, we're thrilled. Well, terrific. And, you know, and so off of that, I, I, uh, you had sent over a couple, three songs. Um, one I wanted to play now. I think it's sort of a nice segue in that the title of the song is I Was... Fam I'm Not Famous I'm no Not more. Famous right. No More. Uh, yeah. Right? Okay. <laughs> it's <laughs> grammatically a little rough, but, but yeah, to the half dozen people who... who think I might have been famous or something. It's it's a funny song and kind of brutal. Uh, and we can we can yeah, listen. Let's, let's give it let's a listen. It. All right. I'm not famous no more.
I love that song, and uh, part of the reason I love it is because I know where you know. Yes, it's brutal, but and you know, knowing uh, the history of your of your entire art career, I think it's it's terrific. Well, listen, you have been around since the seventies. So you were like well, when Isn't I was, where we may when have I first was, met. I think it, when I was five. Yeah, that's true. You were just a toddler there, and uh, Robert Smith sat you on my knee and. Uh, <laughs> If he tried that today, I think there'd be a problem. <laughs> well, no, yeah, no, you that's true. Actually, you were, time. you were, yes, no, we, I, I, yeah. I did meet you then, but uh, I was in high school at the time. Wow. Well, we started working the Bob and Bob thing while we were still in school. That's where we met, and, right. uh, and our first performance was Arresting Lynn Falks. I love that story. And, right, and, you know, he approved of that being an, uh, an art action. And we thought, oh, well, okay, this is art, you know. So <laughs> then it went from there. Well, which is an interesting thing to talk about, too, um, because, uh, you know, it, at that, it, like looking back, I had a chance to uh, reread a few things ahead of this uh, talk. And um, I went and looked at the, the Bob and Bob five years, or first five years, sorry, mm-hmm. um, the catalog. Right? Uh, it, it was a book. book. It's a yeah. book, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry, I should know. It's in the store. 
<laughs> in your store. It's in my store. Which, let me plug you. Come on, it's one of the most beautiful uh, art you. book stores in town. Well, only because it has the shrine tribute. But, um, no, thank you. But uh, anyway, the, I, was, I was taken by, you know, how much referencing you do to uh, the, you know, I don't know, the, what I always refer to as the Museo Industrial Complex which is, you know, the people that have made the art and the, you know, the good old boy network, so to speak. Um, and then, like, when you started that, it was a, it was a uh, sort of rebellion against that, a little bit punk. Um, yeah. But Sometimes. still, and still to, to today, you still reference, even in the drawings and stuff, there's reference to the art, um, historical lineage of Western art. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we were schooled properly and conservatively at Art Center. Right. And, uh, but you know, we were really lucky to, to start working at a time when art was going through such a massive change and upheaval. Uh, suddenly people were saying painting is dead. Right. Uh, they were doing installations, performance, uh, conceptual art, video, and painting never really did die, but for a while People were really willing to look at alternative expressions of what we call fine art. Mm -hmm. So, but it, you didn't think that when you were in art center, kidnapping Lynn folks, right? I mean, you were maybe. It seemed to me. Well, you tell me, but it seemed like you guys were just kind of going at it. Yeah, having fun. Yeah, it. I'd say there was a, a, some sort of connection. Same way, music, the way the way punk music came along around the same time. It, it was just an era of upheaval, uh, of alternative solutions to traditional problems. Right. And uh, and I really feel lucky. I don't know where a person would find that today. It's almost as if you could say everything's already been done. Hmm. And back then, everything had not yet been done. Right. Well, I mean, to the extent that you guys were... Uh, not nihilist about it, but I mean, you were recognizing it, and I, to a certain extent, it says like, "Well, it's already been done, so like, haha, let's do it like this." Well, that's a, a way to see it, for right. sure. And I, I don't, I don't, you know, like punk. I think was, you know, uh, had much more venom, and you guys had much more fun. Uh, that's a point to be made. Yes, uh huh. I I remember uh, Christine McKenna mm -hmm. referred to us as the anti-punks. Oh, right. So, but punk at the same time, right? right. I mean, you we were kind of like... And we had a large punk audience. Our, our shows were attended by people who would show their love for us by spitting on us and throwing right. firecrackers down our suits. Oh, nice. Which, which was <laughs> an expression of affection in those days. And then you, you've worked with, I, well, at that old time, it was like X and X. Yeah, Sarah, sure, we knew those guys, and and I do, I think you were about to say, I do work with DJ, DJ Bonebreak, a yeah. great drummer, and he's, uh, uh, his talent is broad. You know, yeah, yeah, that no, guy's a great drummer. Yeah, he really is. I wish I was a drummer. No? If so I could play any, if I could master any instrument, uh, I'd Well, it looked from the videos that you're a bass player. I, I play anything. I'll play anything. And I've and made nice records looking. where I play everything. Uh, I didn't play on that last song, We Heard Everything, mm. uh, but uh, I've done it, and, and there's a certain rawness or naivete to my own music that I, I can kind of tap into. Mm -hmm. uh, but then 
being around so long, I've gotten to to know a lot of people. I think another song we might queue up later has got Nels Klein on it. He's from Wilco and a mm -hmm. great artist. Yeah. And, uh, the song we just listened to, uh, my son uh, played bass, awesome bass on that. He's 19. Ryan Zinn, Z for Zebra, I N like Nancy, and he just put out his first album. Oh, there you go. And well, let's uh, give a plug. It. Where do we find it? Uh, you know, you can find it at your nearest friendly website. Uh, right. you know, it's on Spotify and sure. all, all the the. Uh, What's his sound? Uh, he plays everything. In talking about that, he plays drums, bass, guitar, and he's very focused on uh, classic sort of pop, and he's really skillful at melody and. And uh, he does beautiful work. You know, maybe someone will dig it up and listen. There you go. Yeah. And he plays a lot on my new record. Okay. So, yeah. And the new record is? Uh, it has no title. It's just black. Now, that's almost a reference to, uh, say, the Beatles' White Album. White album yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. just black. But you and are the dark Bob. I, it, it does say the dark Bob on it. Uh, and it's got Embossed 20... Embossed in black. So and no, kind of like no, not now. quite. But... Uh, it's got 22 songs, so it's wow. just packed oh. with stuff. Pop, country, rock, jazz. I mean, I just had a ball in the studio and just had fun going out on different limbs. Right. You. Having fun. Out on limbs. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's a good name for the album. Going out on limbs. <laughs> Somehow doesn't seem out of character. Well, right. My whole life has been out on limbs. It has. But but you've been um, making music and, and now doing soundtracks, is that correct? I have done soundtracks. Uh, uh, and I have been doing music. So Bob and Bob did music right out right. of the gate, right too. The gate. But then, like, how did that evolve? So, like, were you trained as a musician? Or? No. Uh, you know, both of us and, and myself, we're visual art. You know, we paint and draw. That's the thing I know how to do. I can draw a horse. And uh, as a kid, that's what my passion always was. But somehow, uh, I, I, when I was a kid, I also used to, my parents used to have all these cornball bossa nova records and stuff. And I couldn't resist writing lyrics for them, you know. So I listened to <laughs> these records. And I'd just start writing lyrics, and uh, when no one was in the house, I, you know, I'd start singing with these things. But they were, were they always sort of like silly lyrics, or like you were earnest? I think I, think I was earnest, uh, and uh, sincerity is one of Not my flaws. Not to say flaws. that all the lyrics of Bob and Bob or your right. work are silly, but... Uh, uh, well, you know, humor is a difficult thing to juggle as a fine artist. Right. Uh, you can be ignored for being funny, you can be criticized for it, but it's always a, a line I've liked to walk. Yeah, the, the, the hard part about humor, I mean, in any art part, is the context, right? So yeah. Like, so then, so the art is, is in its own context, and you guys have always framed it in the, the Western lineage, and then there's... And then there's a humor to that, and like your puns and stuff that go on. Right. Uh, but if you're not, if you're not aware of the context of that, I mean, you know, it, it, can, it, it falls flat. I mean, uh, that's right. Sense. It can look. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, flippant. Or yeah, yeah, it can be taken. Yeah, it can be right. taken out of context. And we were very serious, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but. We like to be funny. Uh, it, yeah, it's hard being in an art team. There's a reason there aren't a lot of art teams because art is really 
fine art is a, a deep expression of one's unique neuroses. So putting two people together and trying to find that depth of personal neuroses is tricky. Hmm. And we just happen to click. There's something, uh, you know, I, we fight all the time. Uh, I can't stand the guy. And yet when, <laughs> when we get together to work, uh, there's some sort of a, a soul connection. Huh. Uh, Interesting. Where, where we, uh, you know, work at each other. We, we piss each other off. We entertain each other. And it results in a singular piece of art that the two of us have contributed to and and it's hard for both of either of us to distinguish who did what right. and nor is it important for us to distinguish who well that's what. a true collaboration and collaboration right. is tough and, and and I think that goes towards your ability to have migrated into making music right because mm -hmm. that's a highly collaborative thing even yeah it though, is even though you can go and make your own you can do everything right. yourself it's really not the same well, I hate to say it, but when I make music, I'm such a painter in my being, you know. I, I'm grateful to have talented people come in and work with me, but I'm still uh, neurotically focused on trying to achieve or get something that only I can understand, maybe. Hmm. Uh, because to me, it's all art. and. But I, I do like collaborating. That, that maybe we can get rid of what I just said. I don't know. Maybe not. But I've collaborated a lot, not just with the Light Bob, but I've worked with uh, Rachel Rosenthal, Barbara Smith, Andy Dick, Louis McAdams. I like getting together with another real artist and uh, try to find that common ground that turns us both on and becomes a legitimate expression and not a compromise. Well, this is also why bands break up. Yes. Well, Bob and Bob have <laughs> broken up a million times. We've spent years not seeing each other, and, uh, and but when we come back together, and even now, you know, when the Smithsonian comes or a curator wants to see our work, uh, there we are standing in the same room, and uh, you just fall back into the what it is that is the team. Right. And so, how did that? Is it that? I'm curious then, how does the team form at Art Center? Like, did you not like each other then and you just found it? No, we liked each other. We met and we, we cracked each other up. We had the same sort of uh, idea about art being a, a, some form of rebellion. Mm -hmm. I like to think of art as revolution. And part of my education in the history of art was uh, that art one style is a revolution against the previous style so right. classicists came in to rebel against romantics and pop art uh, rebelled against abstract expressionism and, uh, so you want to feel like you're breaking new ground because that's the purpose of an aesthetic practice is to break new ground which goes to my point about the museo industrial complex yes. which uh -huh. is you know that's who provides the context for that yes. whole kind of dialogue where it's goes like who's been anointed and who's to be destroyed. Oh, right. I love feeling like I'm pushing some boundary right. or turning a corner or, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I want to get lost in the woods. You never know what you might find. The path less traveled. You're right, and you know, I was. We met at a very commercial art school. Uh, you know, when, when yeah. I 
Well, I'm surprised they even had it. Well, I had some great teachers there. Uh, Richard Diebenkorn, Lynn oh, Fowles, Doris no uh, yeah. uh and, uh, you know, a, a stoned-out Scott Greiger, I remember. He was probably two years older than I was at the time. <laughs> but it was a very small department. and, and uh, Beautiful campus. Though. Well, I was down at the old one on 3rd Street. What? Yeah. I don't know about this. What is that? Yeah, prior to being in Pasadena, Art Center was uh, housed in a very beautiful little cottage-style building on 3rd Street in the middle of L.A. What? Yeah. So this is like, you're almost like Chenard. That's right. It was another school. Really? Uh, so wow. we graduated while before Pasadena happened. Oh, I didn't know. But I've been out to that Pasadena campus. It's really slick, and it makes you want to design a car. <laughs> Well, they have this monster campus now. Yes. On on uh, on the Arroyo Parkway. It's oh, that's even, right. Yeah, it's not even up in right. the Little Valley anymore. Right. Yeah. It's but a great. It's, it's a great school. school but, yeah. But the fine art department was very small, and and uh, when the administration found out these two guys were doing performance, no one knew what performance was. It had very little history behind it. I mean, this is 1973, 74. Oh. Uh, not a lot of performance art had even been done yet, so uh, I do know that the uh, the president of the college called my parents and said, "If your son keeps this up, he's not going to get his degree." <laughs> <laughs> Which meant you were on the right track <laughs> to you, right? You like, oh. Well, actually, it scared the hell out of me. I was like, "Well, come on, I, this is art, isn't it?" You know. And, but it was hard to say at that time. I mean, Chris Burden had had done some stuff. There was Laurie Anderson in New York, and the, it was really there was quite a bit of performance art in that period. But I don't there think was. I mean, I don't think like for someone who, like the Art Center that was, you know, its mission was not that. No, not at all. So they would not. Any of those people would not have been on the radar, and so they were right. just like, "What the hell are you right. doing?" Right. Right. That's funny. Another thing about that time that's exciting, I don't want to get be nostalgic or, or think I, I'm not living in the past or anything, but the excitement of that period still lingers with me. Uh, that interdisciplinary where you can go and make a film, you can make a record, you can uh, do a monologue, you can do a painting, and it all falls under the idea that you're an artist and you're... Using whatever tools was, are available. What you're saying is that was fresh at the time, because it, of course now was. that's like everybody is that. Yeah, yeah, and performance art is horrible. I, I just can't, you know. Performance art died in the '80s, and it, it was in the '80s that other people, you know, actors, choreographers, you know, started saying, "Oh, I'm a performance artist." And no, performance art came from the visual art world. Its predecessor may have been happenings in New York. Sure. I mean, I was definitely aware of those happenings. We all. Capro. So, yeah, and Capro. Yeah, here in California. Well, he was in New York too mm-hmm. yeah. in the in the 50s, but uh, it was visual artists doing. Um, Paul McCarthy, Chris, uh, Barbara Smith, ourselves. We, we all went right. to art school. We were, right. And it was right. visual. And then it got invaded by, uh, you know, comedians and. Uh, architects and dancers and everybody else who was just looking for an excuse to do their own thing 
Right. And well, you guys. I mean, to that, I, mean, I can't be that cruel about it because okay. I mean, you you uh, you know you recognize at least in your team there that um, there was an entertainment aspect. Yes. To it. We played and with so, that. Um, right, yeah, that was a, an important, I think right. an important part of what yes. we were doing. Yes. And, uh, and and to the extent that, you know, you tread that line between what's entertainment that's and right. what's art. And so to kind of dismiss the people who came from the other side of the fence, I don't know. We were challenging the notion, whereas I think in the 80s, people were literally embracing it. That mm -hmm. uh, entertainers would come and think, well, I can just say whatever I want here. Um, Entertainment you do for others, art you do for yourself. So when performance art became something where you bought tickets and there was a flyer and you go sit in a chair, and that's starting to become entertainment. Right. The first things uh, I remember doing, you just do them on the street. The, 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 uh, the audience was an arbitrary, you know, someone walking by, you know, they're really... Leica came along pretty early, and Lace, and, and they would then house these actions, mm -hmm. these live actions, mm -hmm. and that was a good thing. It, it was just an action you took, and the, the audience wasn't really considered in the very beginning, I don't think. I could be wrong. I, maybe we No, I, I, I've sat through, and I'm sure the people listening have sat through many a, many a performance where they're going like, why the hell am I watching this? This is <laughs> fucking boring. The whole performance like, can be horrible. Yeah, and it can just be like engrossing or not, or, or you know. We riffed on entertainment principles and yeah, show business I principles. I love your stuff, it's fun. Right. Everything you want, and it's fun. because of that, you know, and being in this city, uh, you know, the entertainment industry did come to us and try to interact with us, and but it never really could work mm -hmm. because... Well, because you're thumbing your nose at them. Right. Yeah, so, I mean, they see it's funny and they see there's something there. But, right. Uh, yeah. And we would pose in pictures that looked right. like uh, Hollywood camp pictures and stuff. Uh, but, you know, I've always thought, um, it was back e in the, the early days of performance art, it, New York was more about entertainment than Los Angeles. Uh, there was Laurie Anderson, uh, Mike Smith, Spalding Gray, Eric Bogosian. Mm -hmm. They were entertainers, really. Right. They, and whereas on the West Coast here, you had some really freaky work by Barbara Smith and uh, Paul McCarthy. Right. Yeah. Uh, still crazy. That's right. I mean, this is where it was hardcore. And to me, New York looks like a bunch of entertainers. Ironically, well, because this is slick. Yeah, like it was slick. Super slick. Laurie yeah. and all that. That stuff, yeah. Uh, oh, Superman and all that. Yeah, and and Eric Bogosian, Spalding Gray. These people were mm -hmm. monologists. They weren't much different than a stand-up comedian or a or a Mark Twain well, type they were character. A lot, yeah, they were all off Broadway. And so, yeah, and, and did well. Yes, and of course, New York did have some some what you'd call maybe hardcore, challenging, or you know, Lucas Samaras and and so on. There was some tough stuff, but I think L.A. was really the the tough spot and it was in Los Angeles that all the possibilities of performance art were explored including Bob and Bob looking you know appearing to be entertainers uh, mm -hmm. cabaret uh, uh, time-based performance uh, body art uh, LA is where all the possibilities seem to yeah. pop up and I think the Kipper kids oh also, yeah like 
although you know mostly New York based, I think although uh, had a bigger following here than yeah, it. absolutely. This is where they really shined, yeah. and they were pulling on uh, European traditions of street entertainment, yeah, uh, puppetry and mime and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. and, and well, yeah, they have a huge following here still in Berlin, but yeah, they do. Uh, well, Martin. Yeah. One of the Kipper kids was from there, and, and they yeah, spent the a lot of time on the street. I forgot the other Kipper uh, Brian. May he rest in peace. Oh, yeah, I'm so sad. He, yeah. he and I had just collaborated on something together, and we were very close. And uh, there was a bond we had with the Kipper kids, because there aren't a lot of teams, mm -hmm. so we really did yeah, bond with to, them. I, I wanted to ask you about Gilbert and George, which came a little bit after you guys... I, I can't say they were an influence, but I look at their their visual art is just stunning. I love yeah. their visual art, and then I look at them, and they do look like Bob and Bob. These two guys in suits with short hair, you know. Yeah, but I think they were. I'm, I, I I meant to look it up before we talked today, but uh, I, I my sense is that they were. You were. Mike might have been working contemporaneously, mm -hmm. but I think you guys are shortly ahead of them. But Maybe. Sure. I don't think they're Gilbert and George because of us. No, of course not. Yeah. No, no, I wasn't suggesting but, that, but right. I was just saying I didn't know if you had seen them or not. They were G&G and, &G and we were B&B. &B. That's the big difference. Uh, and they were also a, a married couple, uh, you know, whereas the mm -hmm. Kippers and us were not. Uh, you know, some people would naively think we were mm -hmm. a couple, you right, know, sure. uh, although they weren't paying attention if they did think that. Well, they didn't see the rest of the work. Yeah, so. right, because mo a lot of it's our, our angst as young heterosexual uh, misfits. Yeah, well, and the collages even most recently are still talking about that, or address that, I should say. Well, mm-hmm. We did. Uh, we got together and really seriously worked together a couple of years ago, and, and I, you've seen that catalog from yes. that work. And it's, also in the store. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> Do not miss going to the store because it is. It's smaller than Arcana, but better. <laughs> what happened to us was, uh, you know, we hadn't been seeing or talking to each other much, and then there was a show in Paris in 2006 that uh, chronicled the history of L.A. art. And uh, we were in it, and just shocked and thrilled, you know. And uh, so that brought a little attention to us. People were saying, well, why come you guys aren't working together anymore? And where's Bob and Bob? And then the Pacific Standard Time... Get the band back even, together. Uh, yeah, it was like, get the band back together. They were coming, to, the, the Getty came to interview us, and we were in several of those... Pacific Standard Time shows, and the first question we get is, why don't you work together anymore? And I'd say, well, I can't stand this motherfucker. Oh, no. I, <laughs> um, but, you know, we don't know why. We just, well, I don't know. You know, we grew up, we, we both had gotten married, we've got, each of us has got a kid, and, you know. Other things were in our life, but we were both making art all the time. I, I've never, I was the dark Bob, he was Paul Bob, he ended up calling himself. Mm. Uh, through the 80s, I, I was a solo, in the 90s I did a lot of solo work, and I still do, I paint and draw. Um, but we got together, and it was uh, not easy, uh, and yet uh, there is something, when we hit it, 
all time and space dissolves and we're on that piece of paper and we're making art and it's really fun. Yeah, I was trying to picture how that works. We just stand next to each other. And uh, I, I sit on his shoulders and uh, we just mail the work back and forth. Actually, we did that one time. when he, he lived in New York in the middle 80s and we had a show in Chicago and He'd start a drawing, send it to me. I'd work on it, send it back. Like and playing chess. By yeah. Uh huh. Right. Mm -hmm. Of course, what I did was always way better than what he did. <laughs> Although you could never tell who did what. Well, right. I, that's the line I give anyway. But if it's good, you can bet it was me. And uh, so where does Paul Bob live now? He's in Santa Monica, and I'm oh. in Santa Monica. Our studios are. Practically next door. Okay. Um, we're up to our neck with each other right now because of all the yeah. historifying of our of our stuff, and it makes us want to work together. It really That's does. Awesome. So I'm sure there's going to be some new stuff happen. It's just finding the time. Yeah. I mean, I I do prioritize my and he also we prioritize our own work at this point. But I'm I'm happy to work with him as long as. He keeps his goddamn mouth shut and leaves me alone. Yeah, let's see. There he is. <laughs> He's listening. Uh oh. I didn't think he'd ever hear this. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot to turn the phone off. Yeah, mine's on too. Let's oh, see. God. Well, yeah. Well, I'm let's, obviously. Let's just more, hope he doesn't. I'm call obviously him. more important. I got, well, I got that's text. true. <laughs> Nobody's texting me. I'm such a big shot. I'm in the Smithsonian, goddammit. Talk to me. <laughs> so let's finish off with what is it you're doing now? You got this new album, Black yeah. Album. Yes, uh, yeah, we can talk about that. So it's got 22 songs. Right. Uh, I, I'm playing most of There we go. It's the Bob that white Bob. God damn it. Uh, I play a lot. My son plays on it. Uh, I've worked with the same engineer for 30 years, and he's got a great... He is the... Rec Pacifica Recording Studios is the recording studio to the alternative art world in L.A. Everybody's worked there. Rachel Rosenthal, Anna Almer, anyone who makes noise has worked in that studio. And what's the name? What? Uh, Pacifica Studios. Oh, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. And Glenn Nasheed is the engineer there, and he has a capacity to tolerate extreme weirdness. I don't know how many recording studios really could put up with the likes of performance artists and, mm -hmm. and sound artists the way he does. But uh, anyway, he plays a lot on this album. There's also a couple of guest artists. I mentioned Nels Klein and uh, Danny Frankel, a brilliant uh, drummer, percussionist, who's worked with so many famous people. I don't want to say their names because it's just going to make me look bad. Um, and and I, did a, I have a cover on this new album of Bo Diddley's Mona. Yeah, and which we can play. That'd be great. We can uh -huh. go out with that. Sure. Uh, and uh, we all know, well, I don't know if we all know Mona. I do. Uh, certainly my era, you know, the Stones did a great version of Mona. Yeah, no, I recognized uh, it when I heard it. Right, but only from the lyric. The music is so Right, weird. yeah, not the way you uh, it. Yeah, yeah, it's not Bo Diddley uh, by any means. <laughs> um, and, and I reduced it down to a sort of ballad 
and and I think you can hear what Bo Diddley wrote better in my version than you can what he wrote in his dun 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 because you get so lost in that groove. Who cares what he's saying? Yeah, right. It's like the groove is so strong, you could be saying anything. Yeah, but you know, to the pain, the yeah, that's right. Uh huh. What he's really feeling about this woman and wanting to build a house next door to her and. They could throw kisses through the blinds. Yeah, it's a little creepy, but yeah. it is creepy. Yeah, he'd be he'd uh, be arrested with that <laughs> behavior today, or at least a Dateline show, something. So yeah, let's listen to it. Okay, here we go, Mona. I said, hey, Mona Yeah, yeah, yeah Mona I'll tell you, Mona, what I want to do Build a house next door to you. Build a house next door to you. Can I see you sometime? We can blow kisses through the blind. Can I come out on the front? Listen to my heart go bumpity bump. Yeah, 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 Mona. I said, hey. I need you, baby, and that's no lie Without your love, I'll surely die So is that Nels Klein on there? Yeah, that's Nels on guitar. And he's brilliant and artistic. And, uh, I mean, he can play the blues, he can play rock, but... He also has a way of bending the guitar into an instrument that evokes sounds we've never heard before. Mm. So what's next? Now you finished this, other than promoting that album. Right. And uh, uh, taking your kudos at the Smithsonian. Right. Visiting the White House. I'd say the, the next thing would be uh, to redesign Speedos for heavy men. You're having issues with that? Uh, And if that doesn't work out, I would like to somehow come up with a new color for chocolate. Um, So I don't know how long you want to talk. I got nowhere to go. (laughs) And I have no friends. So, you know, it's just nice to be able to talk with somebody. I got a long intro. 
Yeah, okay. You've been listening to A.G. Geiger Presents, Tales from the L.A. Art Underworld. My guest tonight was The Dark Bob. I really encourage you to Google The Dark Bob, as well as Bob and Bob Performance Art. They're important L.A. artists, and they have an international following. You can check out the books and catalogs I have on them online at aggeiger.com, or drop by the store. I'd be happy to share them with you. A.G. Geiger Presents is produced by me, Michael Delgado, in conjunction with the Mayfair Hotel, and the music and artist management company Regime 72, as well as A.G. Geiger Fine Art Books. Visit us at MayfairLA.com, Regime72.com, and of course, AGGeiger.com. Thanks for listening.